It's a Mississippi miracle, but it may not be for why you think. I'm Scott Out with Bill Whittle and Stephen Green. This episode of Right Angles brought to you by the members at BillWhittle.com. And gentlemen, the Washington Post had an editorial board piece on the uh, surprising achievement of students in Mississippi with regard to uh, the tests that they have to take periodically, the National Assessment for Educational Progress tests. Uh, they changed some things a few years ago so that uh, one aspect of this is that, uh, that they got the most attention was that if a third grader didn't uh, test as proficient in reading on the assessment, then he would be held back instead of advancing to fourth grade. And a lot of people heard that, saw the results with Mississippi really surging in scores from the bottom of the pack as far as states go to kind of the middle of the pack now, um, that they assumed that all you have to do is is hold students back and good things will happen. Uh, Stephen Green, I thought it was interesting, uh, and I think the Washington Post, frankly, had a had a good take on this. They said, look, it's not just holding students back. It's what happens when that happens and what happens before that happens. Um, and one of the things that struck me is the fact that they said that a student would be held back meant that fewer students— <laughs> Uh, fell into that category. Essentially, the fear of being held back drove teachers to to identify students in jeopardy earlier, drove the school district to invest more in coaching teachers. Uh, they, they implemented some literacy training for teachers so that they could help these students, and frankly, uh, drove parents to do more to make sure that their kid could do well on that third grade test and advance. Um, Steve, it was it was so good, in fact, that while you, we've we've bemoaned the fact that a lot of schools fell behind during COVID, uh, Mississippi actually set a personal record, personal for the state, uh, for gains in scores uh, after COVID, as most states were struggling to get back to their pre-COVID levels. Uh, Steve, do you think there there might be a lesson that we can learn from this? Wow! Yeah, and uh, the the. This might shock you, but it's it's one of those lessons that we learned a long time ago and, and then pretended to forget. Uh, before I get to that, though, um, you reminded me, the story reminded me of, it's one of my favorite quotes, and it's it's from an economist, I'm sure, but I've, I've tried looking for who it was, and I've never found a reliable answer. But the quote was, show me a man's incentives, and I'll tell you how he behaves. Hmm. And in in this case... The the incentive is the uh, the the shame of of for the student of getting held back, and for the teacher who ha- would have increasing numbers of students getting held back, and the teacher looks at that and says, "I don't I don't want to be the teacher with that reputation," and the students look at that and say, "Oh, I don't want to get I don't want to get held back and be the only fifteen uh, year old in third grade again." Um, I exaggerate a little bit. Um, <laughs> and and so they changed their behavior. The teachers found these students, the tu- the students upped their games and for Mississippi to make this improvement because I, one of, one of the slights we always hear from uh, know-it-alls in the northeast is, "Oh, you backwater states have such terrible uh, school performance." Well, guess what? Uh, now that uh, now that Mississippi has stopped doing things the way that uh, the the big educational bigwigs in the Northeast say they should do it, 
<laughs> they're improving a lot. Uh, but the thing is, and this is this is the lesson I think we've forgotten, is that uh, grades didn't used to be so structured by age. You weren't originally uh, assigned a class based on uh, uh, age of peers. You were assigned your class based on uh, peers of uh, intelligence and, and ability. When uh, uh, my dad was born in 1942, and he entered first grade the same way everybody else does, five or six years old, and he went from first grade to fourth grade. They just they saw his performance in first grade and said, uh, "Mr. and Mrs. Green, you're 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 stunned, Steve Senior." Mm. They didn't call him Steve Senior yet because you know, <laughs> I wasn't born. Um, is is ready for fourth grade, and we like to try him there. And this was not uncommon. His fourth grade class had a had a variation in age of, of probably three or four years. And when he graduated at 16, he was not the only 16-year-old to graduate from that school. And he wasn't and, and a friend of his was not the only 19-year-old to graduate. Uh, so it, it wasn't a stigma then to be a little older or younger than than the rest of your classmates because your classmates, we're on, on an age spectrum much much broader than today. But since we've gotten away from that, if we can use this idea of shame, of, of getting kids out of their, their age cohort and drop them back, if we can use just the threat of that to get them to perform, what a great gift that is. And Bill Whittle, I'm, I'm not sure it's like the individual shame of the student, although that is an element of it. I think that everybody involved in the process looks at it and says, you know, for example, this, for the school district, it costs money to have a student repeat a grade. They call the, that when they're holding a student back, they call that retention. Retention costs the school district money, and they don't want to have to spend the same you know dollars again to run third grade for the second time. And so there's incentive on the part of the school district to say, how can we identify these kids early? How can we get the teachers, the coaching to understand it, uh, how to come alongside of, of kids and and uh, instruct them in literacy? They're getting they're doing um, after hours tutoring for these students. And uh, I guess, Bill, what struck me about the whole thing was we look at state performance on tests, but it seems like the schools in Mississippi are starting to look at individual students as persons. I'm sorry, I think I had a small stroke. Uh this is the kind of news that fills me at first with frustration and then ultimately with a great deal of hope. The, the more I look at the problems in our society today, the more I realize they are all self-inflicted, which is frustrating and, and dreadfully annoying. But it's also extremely hopeful because if we ever decide to take the foot off of our own, the boot off of our own necks, which is quite a gymnastic feat if you think about it, um, yeah. things can get much better very quickly. Steve talked about the students um, doing better because of a sense of shame. There's certainly that, but I think it's more more accurate to say they're graduating, they're, they're performing better because of the sense of expectation. They are no longer, they are now expected to have to finish this grade at this level or else there will be consequences. Steve said, show me what you subsidize and I'll show you how you behave. I've also heard it said, if you subsidize something, you will get more of that stuff. Oh, it's incentivize, but yeah. Okay. Okay, so, so basically same thing. This is wonderful news, and it's wonderful news for everybody involved, and it's especially wonderful news for the country. 
This is why I'm opposed to the Department of Education and Common Core, because it's a, it's a single point of failure. If you have one educational standard for the entire country and it's faulty, you have no way of knowing or correcting it. So here's Mississippi perennially at the bottom of the, of the test scores in the country. If you'd asked me who's testing lowest in the country before the segment, I would have said Mississippi, they're famous for it. What Mississippi decided to do was was to enforce standards. And once they made a decision to enforce standards, both the teachers and the students rose to the standards. Imagine that. It's not an indictment so much of, of look, all organisms will take the path of least resistance. If you put lots and lots of food out on the table or out, outside the door, you're not going to get, you're going to get fat people, you're going to get fat raccoons, you're going to get fat cats, fat dogs. It's, they don't, this is how it works. If you have a system where you are not required to learn at the level that you're supposed to learn at at the end of the year, then people will take the path of least resistance and, and, and do the minimum and, and they'll get graduated anyway. Scott, our, our education system, and it's especially visible here in Los Angeles, the LA Unified School District is the largest public sector union in the world, I believe. There are 4,000 to 6,000, I forget the number, I think it's 6,000 teachers in the LA Unified School District that go to work every day and collect a paycheck and they don't teach. They've either had disciplinary problems or they've had problems with you know making advances on kids or whatever, but they can't be fired because of the strength of the union. And so what I'm trying to say here is, up until something like this at Mississippi, what is it? What is the product that the education system is producing? What's the box that goes out the door and is loaded onto the truck? If it's graduations, if it's total number of graduations, then there doesn't have to be a good education inside that box. As a matter of fact, there doesn't have to be any education inside the box. If all we're doing is counting the number of boxes that get loaded onto the truck, it, it doesn't matter what's in the box. It could be broken, it could be nothing. We're graduating kids because we're looking to graduate numbers of kids. And when it turns out, you change those standards to the number of kids graduating to the number of kids who are achieving the standards required to graduate that class. Now, the teachers are in some peril because now there's a way to have a metric on how effective a teacher is at teaching. Yes, congratulations. A chimpanzee can get all of the students graduated if there are no standards to meet. But if it turns out you have to achieve a certain level of reading, math, and science, now you can very easily measure who's doing the teaching and who's not. And this is the fundamental idea about standards. I'll just close with one thing. Here's the thing about standards, Scott. If you lower the standards, the entire class will lower to those standards. However, if you raise them, the entire class will raise themselves to those standards. And the most important book that I could recommend for anybody in America today who wants to succeed in life and who wants to understand this phenomenon is Up From Slavery by Booker T. Washington. That is as clear an example ever in American history of what happens when you set high standards for people and what they will achieve if you hold them to those high standards. And everything that we've done since Booker T. Washington has been to degrade and lower those standards. And, and there is no better example of how people will behave according to your expectation of them than up from slavery. You know, I think the argument could be made that if a school did nothing but teach reading, that would be enough. If you can read, you can do anything. Because you can read about math, 
and learn to do it. You can read history. You can you can look at letters and learn how to write. Uh, if you can read, it is a toolbox for you to become, for want of a better term, a learning organism. And I think that that's the output of the school. Did we produce somebody who has memorized a certain number of facts, who has a particular kind of penmanship, who can give a list of dates when important things happen and can you know cipher to a certain level without fingers and toes? Or did we send him off as a learning organism who is self-sustaining, self-educating, independent, and free? And I think that's the difference. Um, and in a sense, um, and I'm not a Mississippian, so I can't pretend to understand how things have been, but I get the sense that in Mississippi, Teachers were hired with a mandate to teach a class, and these changes have given them permission to teach a person. And I think that is the core difference. It's the realization that everyone is not the same, like Steve talked about going back to the old, old days before his dad of one-room schoolhouses. You had to work with the level of the students you had, and you used the older students to teach the younger students, and that helped them both to learn. And so I, I was just thrilled to read this story and to see a, such an impressive gain in these test scores, uh, because I know that that's just a marker. It's not the test scores that matter. It's the confidence that a student gets from competence. It's his ability to say, mm -hmm. I can do this. I can read this. I can learn this. It is the kind of thing that was inculcated in me by my grandparents because they focused on teaching me to read. And now any, t any challenge that faces me, I just think, well, somebody has done this before and I'm sure they've written about it. I think I'll go find out what they wrote. <laughs> and I can study that and I can learn that. And so uh, this, I, I hope more and more states uh, see this phenomenon and don't just attribute it to say, oh, if there's the threat of holding students back, then everybody bucks up and performs. But to see what they did to pour into those students to say, okay, well, if some students aren't going to complete the third grade or have to do it again, well, we better find out who those students are before we get to the end of the year of third grade so we can head those off early. We better offer some after-class tutorial time. We better teach our teachers to be better teachers of literacy. We better bring the parents into the loop to help them understand how they can help their students to be able to advance in these ways. And, and then if you do, you know, if, if you manage it, if you have to take it again, if you have to take third grade again, well, then there's extra help for those students too, because the objective isn't to get you to, you know, rerun the movie of third grade. It's to move you on. It's to advance you. It's to make these impressive gains, not just on a broad basis, but in the life of an individual person. And that's where we're really going to see the payoff of this. And it's going to be years from now where we're going to see people who would otherwise have been barely functional. Uh, barely employable members of a, of a class, uh, sadly, of society that never really is able to take care of themselves fully, or whether they are going to be a learning organism that moves on to higher and higher levels of accomplishment. Uh, here's to Mississippi uh, for having the, their wits about them to do this, and I hope they set an example for others. For Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, I'm Scott Ott. Thanks to the members at BillWhittle.com for making Right Angle possible.